Section 78 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 8, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 78. Climbing Mount Helka, 1854, by Pliny Miles. Hi-ho for Hecla. Thursday, July 29th, was a lofty one in my calendar. The sun had many hours the start of us, getting up she does here at two o'clock in the morning. An early hour, though, found us in our saddles. The morning was magnificently bright, the mountain being visible, clear to the curling wreath on the summit. Little patches of snow, here and there, near the top, made a break in the broad, black streams of lava that covered every part of the mountain. We provided ourselves with every requisite for a long day's journey. My knapsack was well stored with good things, solids and fluids, and then I had my old Scotch companion, the tartan plaid, to keep the cold away, and each of us had a fine staff, what the Swiss travelers call an alpenstock. But ours were hecklestocks, Iceland staffs, some six feet long and armed with a strong, sharp iron pike. My traveling guide, the farmer of Nofralt, and the reader's most humble servant, made up the party. Not quite a princely retinue, but enough. Yes, and there was our dog, Nero. The top of the mountain was distant about seven miles, of which we could ride nearly four. Away we galloped through some fine green meadows, till we came to a mountain gorge on our right, down which in numerous cascades poured a small river. Several ducks and water hens flew away as we approached their mountain home. Passing through this gorge, we came into a circular meadow entirely shut in by mountains like in an immense amphitheater, and this was the last bit of productive land on our way towards the summit of Hecla. A hut was erected there as a temporary residence for the farmer while gathering his hay. High, precipitous hills of red lava overhung our path on the right, but the ascent for some distance was gradual. For near a mile we galloped our horses over a gently ascending plain of fine volcanic sand, High up the mountain side were several sheep, but scarce a blade of grass could be seen where they stood. Perhaps they went up to enjoy the prospect of the green meadows far in the distance. We soon found our mountain climbing was not going to be play. Our ponies found it so too. Our route was intercepted by a broad and high stream of lava that extended six or seven miles from the summit of the mountain. We turned to the right in a southerly direction and for four or five hundred yards found it about as steep as our ponies could climb. We took a zigzag course to relieve the animals, and after half an hour's climbing, found ourselves on a level table land, nearly half a mile across. We were now about a thousand feet above the lower region, where we left the farmhouse, and here we were obliged to leave our horses. The Icelanders have an ingenious way of fastening their animals so they will not stray. They fasten all their horses in a circle, tying the head of one to the tail of another, and bringing the head of the first 
round to the tail of the last if they choose to travel they can but like john on his rocking horse they may gallop all day in one indeterminable circle and not get far near where we left the horses extending away to our right was a large stream of lava one that came from the eruption of eighteen forty five and though seven years had elapsed it was not yet cool and the smoke was rising from it in many places the streams of lava that run from the craters of volcanoes and which here in iceland are seen on the plains as well as on the mountains are usually from twenty to forty feet deep from a hundred yards to half a mile in breadth and from one to ten miles long they are vast ridges of rough black rocks of a most forbidding aspect the largest masses weighing from one to three to four tons when it flows from the mountain it is a stream of molten mineral and its progress generally rather slow but dependent on the steepness of the mountain and the size and force of the stream melted lava often does not move more than from fifty to one hundred yards in a day but in some cases it may run several miles it soon begins to explode and break up by the expansion and escape of the air within it and by the force of the steam created by moisture on the surface of the ground beneath while the lava is breaking up for several days it keeps up a terrible roaring then this rough mass as black as charcoal lies unchanged in appearance for centuries after a long time it begins to turn a little brown and on its surface appears in minute particles one of the lowest order of mosses at the height of about four thousand feet we first struck the snow this was the first snow i had trod since arriving in iceland and as if the whole order of nature must be reversed here this snow was black this was not exactly the natural color but a complexion it had assumed from being so near the mouth of the volcano sand ashes dust and smoke had coated and begrimed it so thoroughly that the whole surface was like fine charcoal a long valley was filled with it as near i could judge it was from five to fifty feet deep we passed over several snowbanks that were many hundred yards in breadth some of which had not lost their white color from the level country in the distance these snowbanks looked like mere patches but here we found some of them nearly a quarter of a mile across we ascended the mountain from the west but now we were north of the summit and where most of the snow lay clouds now gathered round us and we had to grope our way in the fog for some time the ascent grew more precipitous and the climbing was exceedingly toilsome the earth and lava now appeared of a red color we seemed to be approaching the region of the fire sulphurous fumes saluted our nostrils and weather cleared a little and suddenly before us yawned a deep crater what a horrible chasm indeed it seemed like hell itself fire and brimstone literally dark curling smoke yellow sulphur and red cinders appearing on every side of it the crater was funnel-shaped about one hundred and fifty feet deep and about the same distance across at the top this was one of four craters where the fire burst out in eighteen forty five after the eruption they had caved in and remained as we now saw them in a row above this one extending towards the top of the mountain were three other craters all similar in appearance our progress now was one of great danger at our left was the north side of the mountain 
and for a long distance it was a perpendicular wall dropping off more than a thousand feet below us a large stone overthrown never sent back an echo the craters were on our right and between these and the precipice on our left we threaded a narrow ridge of sand not wider than a common footpath a more awful scene or a more dangerous place i hope never to be in had it not been for my long staff i could never have proceeded the dangers and terrors of the scene were greatly increased by the clouds and cold wind that came up on our left and the smoke and sulphurous stench that rose from the craters on our right one moment in danger of falling over the perpendicular side of the mountain on the one hand and the next of being swallowed up in a burning crater on the other our path was exceedingly steep and for nearly a quarter of a mile we pursued it with slow and cautious steps old nero saw the danger and set up a dismal howl a few minutes after he slipped and came near falling into the fiery pit in five minutes an animal or a man would have been baked to a cinder pursuing our way by the four craters our path widened and half an hour more brought us to the top of the mountain our purpose was accomplished we stood on the summit of mount hecla and a toilsome journey it had been for us i threw myself on the ground and took a look at the scene before me the top of the mountain was not a peak but broad and nearly flat with here and there a little irregularity of surface it was about a quarter of a mile across in one direction from west to east and some fifty rods the other way in several places were deep snowbanks but as yet we saw no crater on the summit it was now two o'clock it having taken us about eight hours to make the ascent though we saw no crater we had very direct evidence that we were in close proximity to volcanic fires little eminences of lava stood up around us from which smoke issued and the ground under our feet felt warm on removing the earth to the depth of two or three inches it felt hot and on digging down anywhere to the depth of six inches smoke would burst out six inches deeper and no doubt a man might light a cigar i went close to a bank of snow to have something to cool my punch spread out my tartan plaid on a warm piece of lava opened my knapsack sat down and dined that was the loftiest dinner i had ever partaken nero lay at my feet the guides were conversing at a little distance the lava around me was warm and after it a little time the weather cleared up and left a blue sky and clear atmosphere with a full opportunity to survey the wondrous panorama of nature that lay spread out below and around us End of section seventy eight. This recording is in the public domain.